With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about home builder sentiment, existing home sales, and the much debated mortgage rate lockdown. We may have just gotten back from Gathering of Eagles, but we're not done with events for 2023 yet. This October, we're headed right back to Austin, Texas for Housing Wire Annual, and we want to see you there. We've got a power-packed agenda with content such as our Women of Influence speakers, peak performer playbooks, CEO playbooks, and more to propel your company forward, as well as a bunch of networking events. Because this event is open to real estate executives, mortgage, title, and everyone in between, you really have the opportunity to network with people from all across the housing ecosystem. If you want to learn more about the event, or if you're already ready to get registered, head over to housingwire.com on the events tab and you can learn all about it. Not to mention, if you're an HW Plus member, you're going to get 50% off your ticket. So get registered for HW Plus and get registered for the event so we can see you out in Austin. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. It is wonderful to be here, Sarah. I love that greeting. Okay, we're going to talk about the builders, existing home sales. Where do you want to start? Uh, First of all, we need to explain why the builders are so happy. And it's at the cost of the existing home uh, sales market. And, you know, we got the builders confidence this week. And it's over 50. Whenever it's technically over 50 in this data line, usually the builders feel like they're in an expansion. It's had a very sharp recovery since November 9th, um, 2022, and uh, the builder sales are doing very well year over year. Uh, We're going to get into the next new home sales report next week, but uh, 20% year over year growth while the existing home sales uh, data line is still uh, down 20%. But one thing that we've saw in the uh, recent housing uh, starts data is that permits are starting to pick up on the single family side. And that's where the builders kind of make their money. So if builders are more happy that the new home monthly supply is falling for single family stars and they can start, you know, issuing permits for uh, more single family starts, that's, that, that's what hits their uh, bottom line uh, really well. And, uh, you know, things that don't happen during a housing bubble crash, the builders confidence index uh, shoots right back up the builder stocks, are at 52 or week highs or all-time highs and uh, they are efficient sellers so they find ways to sell their homes uh, uh, things that in the existing home sales market is is not so uh, the velocity of doing that in the existing home sales market is, is not as strong so the builders are taking unbelievable advantage here yeah, it's so crazy to have the new home sales be such a big part of the market at the expense of existing home sales. Typically, they're a very small part of the market, right? They are. And it's just, um, you know, I, I always try to highlight this because a lot of people, you know, the, one, one of the main things is, my God, the builder stocks, the builder stocks. And 
it was a housing bubble crash. What's going on here? And I, and I say, you keep it simple. Back in 2007, we had 4 million active listings. That's the NAR data. Today, as we speak, we're a little bit above a million. And that data line is now negative year over year. So the builders in the previous expansion have had to deal with uh, a lot more supply, right? It's more competition. Now, with sales levels were so low last year, uh, um, you know, when rates started to fall and uh, housing demand started to pick up, they took advantage of that by, you know, in, in not in all cases, but in some cases, the products that were the hardest to move, they cut prices, they they offer lower rates. They, they do things that in the existing home sales market is not so easy and they're just moving product, right? And I think that's that's the difference. They just decided to move product, 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 and now the monthly supply data for new homes is almost back to pre-COVID levels, which, you know, 10 months ago, nobody would have said, you know, this is this was the you know beginning of the big housing bubble crash. The builders were in trouble. Everyone was going to, you know, start losing. There were, there were all these crazy things that were happening last year that people thought would be the follow through. And then again, as always, like we state here and, and Housing Wire, the market turned on November 9th. It's only now that the last few people left. Uh, are, are finally getting the memo on that. What were, what were the data points you were looking at for November 9th that led you to say that's when the market turned? So this is what we call trying to thread a needle in a very, very chaotic uh, uh, hurricane. Um, the existing home sales market had such a collapse in demand last year that on November 9th, actually, we wrote that article that said the forward-looking data, we always stress forward-looking data, the forward-looking data was getting so bad that we were going to hit 4 million. Um, that means we're at levels that we traditionally don't go below in the 21st century. In fact, you know, getting under 4 million uh, under 1996 is very rare. It only happened really in 2008. I, of course, took a stand on the 10-year yield and said, you know, uh, uh, October 27th, that's the peak of the 10-year yield short term. And the next move, typically after the dollar gets strong, all these market events, the next move should be lower. If if I believe, like I said, said on CNBC last year, if this housing market reminds me of 2018 and 19, what happened in 2018-19? Rates started to fall. Housing demand picked up back then uh, when that occurred. Here, if rates falling, we need to see the verification of that uh, and November 9th, all the way to the second week of February, buyers came back in. We had three months of positive purchase application data. And in the, for the builders, if it's happening for that market, the builders could take advantage even more. Um, I was, you know, we, we, we joke that Toll Brothers stock price last year took off starting on November 9th. <laughs> you know, that was the exact date that we saw the, uh, uh, we, we drew that stock chart on the article. So we're trying to thread a needle. Sales are going to get so low that anything can move it, you know, in the positive. There you go. And then what that does, the entire housing dynamic changes from the biggest collapse in home sales ever to housing data stabilized. And the reason I always say November 9th, if I take purchase application data from that day, it's 21 positive prints versus 13 negative prints. That's a positive trend. It's with duration. Even year to date, we're still 14, 13. It's, still, it's, it's stabilized. Then that brings back the focus of active listings. The builders in this environment are offering 
lower rates, they're moving their products. So they're growing their sales. It's a very low sale levels. They also don't have to deal with sellers being buyers, you know, uh, needing a specific home or, or anything like that. They sell their home as a commodity. Selling your home as a commodity in this environment is more beneficial if you're looking for transaction volume. So that's why I always harbored on November 9th. That's why we talk about the weekly tracker, the forward-looking data. Nobody cared, Sarah. November, December, nobody cared. Everybody was into the home price, they're going to crashes. That's the, you know, um, and hopefully now, you know, now that we've shown everything, how forward-looking data, that's why we created the tracker specifically so we could teach people housing economics. Um, the builders had a better uh, backdrop to take advantage of this. This is why I always say efficient sellers. They sell as a commodity. And that's why their home sales are up 20% year over year. Well, the existing home sales market, while it's not below uh, $4 million, it's bounced off of that sales level. Uh, it's not really growing. It's just hanging around here. Uh, so again, the the that's that's when the whole housing market turned. That's when the forward-looking data turns. If the forward-looking data gets worse, we go with it. Stays the same way, we go with that. But either way, nobody has to listen to crazy people on Twitter or YouTube or on TV anymore. Um, um, we all have the ability to read, and we all have the ability to see. That's why I say, pass the second grade education and visually see. We all can do this, right? Uh, you can interpret the data differently. But when forward-looking data gets better, this is now Sarah the fourth time in ten years this has happened. Uh, people tend to ignore it, and six to nine months later, they go, "What happened?" You know. Well, let's talk about inventory because um, obviously, you published the tracker. We published the tracker on Sunday with the Altos data inventory, and you know, here's the thing: like those inventory numbers, that's a direct line to what the sales numbers are because you can't buy what's not for sale. So, tell us where we are on inventory. Well, here, here, here's the thing with you, you can't buy what you can't sell. We had better sales numbers when total active listings were lower. Like, so how is that possible? Well, demand was better, right? And now I think people that believe in the mortgage rate lockdown find this to be confusing, but uh, when you list your house and it goes very quickly, it doesn't necessarily catch up to the active inventory data. So we had more sales back in March of 2022, uh, or we had more sales in 2021 when inventory was lower. Uh, so here, what's occurred is that the slope of the inventory is so slow this year that uh, um, it's gone negative year over year. Another thing that doesn't happen during a housing bubble crash, Sarah. Uh, but in this case, the uh, how we look at it um, is that everything is slowed down in the existing home sales market. Price growth has slowed down. Sales have slowed down. And inventory growth has slowed down. New listings data has been trending at the lowest levels ever recorded in the history of America for 12 months now. So the craziness of last year has calmed down and we're back to kind of like a normal market. And uh, I think people are just a little bit shocked about that. And, you know, we, we hear multiple offers and everything. Again, active listings are still near all-time lows. So if demand is stable, you still get days on market to be a teenager. But I think the most shocking thing, and I, hopefully this ends this week, and I never thought this, and I'm being very genuine here, in a million years, I never would have thought that we would be here in mid-July and the active listings data is still below 
you know, the second week of January, which was, you know, the, you know, usually that's where the, the bottom is. And then inventory naturally rises February, March, and we're still here below that level. That's, that's why when I went on CNBC on May 15th, I said, man, this looks like the walking dead. And the anchor kept on saying, but inventory is up. Yeah, but it's going to be negative, you know, by the, in, 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 a, in a few months. So the, the, the growth rate is very slow. And we've had 7% mortgage rates or near 7% or above 7% mortgage rates for two months now. Uh, uh, and it's not really changing the dynamics too much uh, anymore. And I think that's that to me, uh, you know, the, the one question I get all year, which I think is a very good one. If six to seven percent mortgage rates were crashing the housing market in the biggest fashion ever last year, why not now? And, and I've always stressed that after 1996, there's this four million buyer group every single year. Um, and they have not been broken down. They didn't break down in 2008 in, in any big fashion. We had a few months under four million. They didn't break under COVID. Of course, we rebounded there. And here, we're dealing with an affordability issue. Mortgage rates are too high to really get growth going. So it's there and they didn't break this time. So that's why if I always talk about that 4 million number a lot of my work over the years, that's kind of my line in the sand. And for now, it's held up. And even if existing home sales falls the next few months, the velocity just isn't the same. So go over where we are in inventory very specifically. How many how many listings did we add over the last week? And what does that compare to like a more normal year? Right now, single family listings, we're using the Altos research. Um, it's 470,000 uh, single family homes available. Back in 2015, that was 1.2 million. So we have 1.2 million active listings back then, why weren't home prices crashing 20, 30, 40%? Well, demand was stable. It's that equilibrium that you have to uh, put into the data line. So 470,000 single family homes, the low, the all-time low was in March of 2022. There's 240,000. Um, we are down year over year. Uh, new listings data has been, again, trending at the lowest levels ever recorded history for 12 months now. It's now declined five straight weeks. The one good part about that data line is that the declines have been very small, right? So we're not seeing this kind of big drop off, uh, which is one of the things I was worried about. So people are still comfortably listing just at a very low level because uh, they don't believe in the mortgage rate lockdown either. They're selling their low mortgage rate house and buying another one at a higher rate. But in this case, we're going into the seasonal decline period of new listings. So right now we're just, we're dealing with more active listings than we have in uh, 2021 and 2022. But if we have a shot of actually breaking under uh, 2021 levels, uh, maybe toward the end of the year of active listings, that's how slow the inventory is. And this is what happens when demand stabilizes. See, last year, the slope was very, very fast and high because we had the biggest home sale crash ever. People were listing their homes. It took longer to sell. It got all the way to 33 days uh, in January. Here, it's a much different case. We're back at a teenager level uh, uh, and demand has stabilized. And that, that's such a titanic shift from what happened last year. So I, we, we've talked about this. 2022, the second half of 2022, the first half of 2023 was crazier than COVID. Uh, COVID was relatively simple because we had the V-shaped recovery and it was off, no question asked. Anybody who was left behind was a forbearance crash bro at that point. Here, boy, that was pretty crazy. Trying to thread that needle 
in a wild hurricane is, is nuts. But now, again, the forward-looking data has verified this. Uh, and we just focus on the data daily, the 10-year yield, purchase apps, all that put together. It gives people an idea about the future, the present and the future. We don't want to focus on the past. Some of the data is too old. We don't want to be old and slow. We want to think ahead. And uh, uh, in the most craziest time in history, it worked, right? So if you go back to a kind of a boring market in that sense, it still works, but you, you're dealing with more stable data. Okay, so we are going to get to mortgage rates. But before we do that, let's address you know the elephant in the room, which is you saying that, oh, people you know, believing the mortgage rate lockdown. I just, you don't like that term, but what you're saying is very similar to what most people think of as the mortgage rate lockdown. And that's an affordability hit. And what I've seen other news outlets, I think it was CNBC, it it calls it the golden handcuffs. It's like the golden handcuffs. You're, you're, you know, disincentivized to list your home when you have, when you have mortgage rates. What have I, what have I always said? It's a cheap marketing tactic. It works. It works on the uninitiated. But I've always, I'm always going to fall back to this. People told me there was a mortgage rate lockdown in when in 2018. They said the golden handcuffs, right? Nobody's going to list their homes. But if we get mortgage rates below four percent, people are going to list their homes and active inventory grow. 2021 was the best backdrop ever recorded in the history. While you and I have been alive in America, there was no better year than 2021. Hardly people listed during COVID, 3% mortgage rates, forbearance, all these things happen. New listings data was trending at all-time lows back then. There is a certain natural chain of buyers and sellers that have changed after 2010 because of credit channels. I always talk about this, credit channel. So if I'm to believe the mortgage rate lockdown is a valid premise, then I have to say, what are these people doing listing their homes each week? Who are these crazy people, right? Why doesn't the golden handcuffs work for them? They don't, right? They sell them. I, and those are the natural buyers and sellers we see each year. But also, if I'm to put more weight into the golden handcuff, that means the biggest affordability hit in our lifetimes with home prices and rates skyrocketing, then what does that say about my sellers or buyers economic model, right? That means I'm, I'm saying that the, you know, the hit on, uh, on pricing and, and payments didn't matter. These people can all afford to buy a house. They just choose not to because of golden handcuffs. Why do we choose golden handcuffs? When did that happen? Why not silver or platinum, but it's gold? Okay. In any case, when you have the biggest affordability hit in one year, naturally demand falls down. Some people can't afford to move. That makes sense. That makes sense to all the data lines we have had. And that would take the new listings data down. If anything, new listings data is probably higher than it should be, but there's just there's just more. The demographics of housing is actually much better now. But, um, you know, I, I just, I, I, I can't, if I, if I ever agree to the mortgage rate lockdown, I, I even opened myself up to the idea last year. I said, okay, I needed three variables for the mortgage rate lockdown to happen. And they kind of all did. And then I, I kind of went with it and I saw the data and I said, this is not, this is not it. Um, uh, we would have a significantly lower uh, new listings data uh, uh, if that was the case. But we have buyers and sellers. There are certain people that sell and buy. There are some people that we have to all believe got hit too hard 
with higher mortgage rates and they can't move, right? Uh, so the lockdown, when rates come back down, it's supposed to create more new listings and more active listings. It's never occurred one time after 2010. Okay, so I, I can't, everything I am as an analyst, if I agree to this, then all my work is just, you know, because I can prove that this doesn't, this doesn't happen. So I, I understand why people say, well, you guys are all sounding alike. Is this something? No, the mortgage rate lockdown was a premise that once rates go down, active listings will grow, new listings grow. It's never happened. And the reason I say this is that there's a lot of people who say, when rates come down, they're going to flood the market. You know, the housing crash people like will latch onto anything, right? Now it's like, oh, when rates come down, everyone's going to rush and nobody can buy a house because they can't afford it. I mean, this is this is where you start to go into crazy town. If you're listing your house, you most likely feel like you can buy the home at that market because you just don't, okay, I list the home. I haven't been pre-qualified. No, everyone who kind of goes into the process realizes that. So there's not a flood. There's a flood of demand, right? And a lot of times those homes get listed and they sell right away and they don't create active listings growth. And that's why after 2010, the only time Mike Simonson agrees with me, we might talk about it in a different way, but the only time that active inventory grew was with higher rates, days on markets growing, not lower rates. Like what we saw in 2022, what we saw in 2014, what we saw in some markets in 2018. So that's why I can't. Sarah, I know you're trying to you're trying to break me down and people think you're wearing me down, but you can never wear me down. This this is everything I am is this right here. And I will not submit to anybody's influence at all. Okay, but you will follow the data. So here's here's my thing on what you just said. Here's here's my idea on what you just said. You're talking about, you know, inventory would would go up. You would you would see it there. But you yourself have said that if people um, if people list their homes and someone buys it really fast, it's never showing up on the new listings day. It's not showing up on the inventory. So how do you say that if mortgage rates fall and then a whole bunch of people at that time list their homes, how are you saying that that's you know? But you can't see it on the data. The the new list the new listings uh, data would 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 grow tremendously. It doesn't. Uh, the act because those the homes that are actively in the market sell faster. So if you have the new listings count, it would explode higher. It didn't. Uh, there's a certain level of new listings that happen every single year. It's just been slowly going lower and lower. And in 2021, it was at all-time lows. In 2022, actually, this is a good test case for everyone. In 2022, we had nothing in the data line that showed new listings data was, was getting uh, uh, out of control, except there was a few weeks last year where the new listings data was growing with higher rates. There was a few weeks last year... <laughs> That new listings data, everyone, I'm just saying, there was a few weeks last year, Sarah Wheeler, that the new listings count was growing faster with higher rates. This is my kingdom of heaven. I will defend it at all costs. But I am telling you, I I understand why people use the mortgage rate lockdown. I truly do. I understand the golden handcuff. It makes total sense to everyone, but it just doesn't make sense to me because I can't prove it. And if I can't prove it, and I've got all this data that shows me it isn't, then I, I can't I can't go there. Now, when rates do fall, demand does pick up, but the the active listings that are in the market, I mean, inventory doesn't go to zero ever, right? We got as low as two hundred forty, but uh, you know, it, it, 
People do list their homes when they're affordable and they do, but the, the one of the reasons why we don't have a lot of uh, uh, listings ever is that there's this natural seller and buyer demand and the notion of flooding. Uh, there was a period in time where we actually did see flooding of homes. It was 2006, seven, eight, right? Uh, the inventory spike of forced credit sellers. Uh, and that way I could explain why none of the 2008 housing economic models work here. Uh, that was a period of time where we saw forced credit sellers, forced listings, a flood of the homes, and they weren't buyers. Uh, that's why you had a breakout. But inventory has been very stable for four decades. Uh, it's just the 2006 to actually uh, 2007 to 8 period where we saw the inventory spike and in, in hold up there. Uh, so, again, it's I, I understand it, it, it sounds so similar but if I if I if I agree to the new listings will flood the market, people, then the supply then I don't have to then I I don't have to worry about supply because we're going to have so much supply come to the market and then it'll balance it itself out. It just has never happened after 2010. Well, let's see if it happens the next time that mortgage rates go lower. Speaking of which, let's talk about mortgage rates. Where are we on the ten year yield, and where are mortgage rates? Where are they going? So they're they're kind of in the six point eight percent level. Ten-year uh, yield, of course, bounced off of that key technical level for uh, uh, after the CPI report, and we're as of this second, we're, I think we're at four point seven four. So the ten-year yield is in that channel. It's it's held in that channel all year. So it's it bounces off to key technical levels pretty good. Uh, so the, the Gandalf line, everything, the whole twenty twenty three forecast is still intact. Um, the question is going out in the future, especially in the second half, if economic data starts to get weaker, especially on the labor market, can the 10-year yield break down even lower? Um, again, my, my premise is uh, the market always knew in the growth rate of inflation was falling, but that's not moving bond yields this year. The, the, what would move the 10-year yield to go down noticeably would be the weakness in the labor market, not inflation. Inflation is, we've had, we've had the 10-year yield lower with the hottest inflation data in the last four decades, uh, um, then you know where the ten-year yield is now. Where the CPI is at three percent, we could be under three percent in the next report, and the ten-year yield is still kind of uh, near the upper range. So, labor market economic data again, we track this every single day religiously. We try to find if there's cracks in, in that data, and uh, uh, we'll keep an eye on that going in the future because again, credit is getting tighter. Right. And the U.S. economy needs a credit growth for expansion. Right. So there's going to be sectors that are going to hit. There's companies that are going out of business because they can't, you know, uh, get credit anymore, you know, but it's not big enough yet to bring down the U.S. economy into a recession. So we, there are things we keep an eye on. We'll see what happens after the student loan debt. That's, you know, to me, that's most likely going to be a 2024 story. Um, and we'll see how much credit getting tighter impacts. We see. How many companies uh, uh, can even uh, establish more credit? Not even just starting a new company, but uh, uh, keeping keeping their business attack. Well, those are the things that I'm, I'm, I'm more curious about going out for the rest of the year after all these rate hikes have taken uh, into effect. So do we expect another rate hike or two, which was the last talking points? Yeah, you know, the, the market is very convinced because the Fed is telling us rate hikes, right? You, we're Most likely you get another quarter. Uh, after that, it's a little bit uh, a toss up, but two more rate hikes looks to be uh, in here. I just, there's no reason. There was no reason to hike rates the last three times. So there, this is completely pointless at this point, but the market believes it. 
Um, of course, if they see weaker economic data, then the uh, other rate hike after after this month goes away, and then you know the forward looking rate cuts start to come up sooner. But again, that moves around what uh, economic data has, has shown us, and uh, of course. There is no recession in the U.S. until jobless claims break. That's why I have that firm 323,000 level in place. And uh, we're not there, right? It's uh, different dynamics in this expansion. Of course, where the job openings, 10 million people, uh, where the household balance sheets look much better this time around. So those things are keeping things intact. And when you're a domestic U.S. consumption economy, so much of your economic growth is in-house. And of course, there's a lot of government spending that's going on, and especially in the manufacturing uh, sector, that's uh, putting a lot of production and construction into work. Well, Logan, thank you so much for being on. We will talk to you again in a few days. Thanks for sharing your insights. My pleasure, Sarah Wheeler. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.